So today we are continuing our journey through the Bible. Last week we began with the fall into sin after the creation of the world, and today we continue with the Ten Commandments. So let me ask you this morning, how many of you like rules? Anybody like rules? Any rule followers out there? Yes, you are. Come on now, let's be honest. We follow the rules most of the time because we know that when we break them, bad things happen, don't they? Bad things happen when you break the rules. Now, a rule or a law is just something that is going to happen, if not all the time, at least most of the time. How many of you are familiar with Murphy's Law? Can anybody recite Murphy's Law? If anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. And at the worst possible time. That's Murphy's Law in its fullness thereof, right? Murphy's Law, true most of the time. How about the law of gardening? Any gardeners, you know the law of gardening? No? Okay, the thing that you need the most, you will get the least of, and the thing that you need the least, you'll get the most of, right? Right? That's the way it was on the farm all the time. I love potatoes, tomatoes, corn. Didn't get a lot of that, but all kinds of rhubarb and asparagus. I mean, come on, really? Rhubarb and asparagus, and if I was really cynical, I would say weeds and insects. Need the least of, got the most of. How about the Jones Law of the Road? Have you heard this one? Jones Law of the Road says, that the best way to fold the map is not to, right? Would you agree with that one? I know maps are obsolete. You know, you get those things, you can never fold them the same way twice. You just kind of wad them up, and you threw them in the glove compartment, right? How about Irma Bombeck? I know it's a little bit outdated. Irma Bombeck's rules or law for picking a doctor. You know this one? Never go to a doctor who kills their houseplants. Right? Probably, probably not a good idea. Don't want to go to them. Check the plants there in the office. So you don't want to go to that person. So how about the rule of the shower? Now, this only works in families and households of at least five. You know this one? If you're the fifth person, the shower is always cold, right? That's the law. It's the way it's always going to work. And probably one of my favorites, ones that I always lived by as, as, as a youth, which is Agnes Allen's law, things are always easier to get into than to get out of, right? So we know a lot about laws, and of course the most timeless laws of all are the ones that God gave. Now we know them as the Ten Words or the Ten Commandments. They were given to the people of God about 3,400 years ago. We know the story, Moses and the people... They were in the land of Egypt, and they were in slavery. God sent them a deliverer, and that was Moses. He was going to send them to the promised land. They were going to be freed from slavery, and they would be blessed if they followed the stipulations that God gave to them. And it's not just for the people 3,400 years ago, but for all people of all time. And yet, today... The same Ten Commandments, the same rules or laws are not very popular today, are they? In fact, a lot of people say, 
that they're outdated, that they no longer apply, that we don't need to follow them anymore. Not because they don't work, because we know that they do if we abide by them. But because so many people in our culture no longer trust in the God who gave them. Now, I know you all, because we just heard the Ten Commandments, you could recite all of them probably in order. But a survey recently said that only about 40% of Americans could even give half of them, just five. And one out of every four people doesn't even know two of them. So how as a country can we follow the laws of God when we don't even know what those laws are and when so many people don't even trust in the God who gave them? And yet we know something about rules. Anybody ever try to play a game on the playground without rules? Now, if you go out in an organized game, you play baseball, you have rules, you have umpires who regulate the rules, who enforce the rules, and things go pretty well. If you have an organized basketball game in a gymnasium, there are rules. You go out on the football field, there are rules. Even Congress has rules. What happens when there are no rules? Chaos. And that's why there are fights on the playground. When one kid has his set of rules and another kid has their set of rules, and they can't decide which one is going to be followed. All of life works the same way, doesn't it? Without rules, without, raw, without laws, there is chaos. Can you imagine going out here on your way out from church today? You're going there uh, on, on the street there on Teckler Boulevard, and you, there are stop signs. What if no one followed them coming out of the Jewel parking lot? Oh, that does happen, doesn't it? <laughs> I know, because someone hit me once a couple of years ago. Didn't follow the rules of stop signs. What happens if you're at a four-way stop and everyone just decides to all go at once? It is chaos. What if no one followed the stop lights? What if no one followed the speeding laws? It would be chaos. We know that laws are important. We know that laws are good. They provide order in life. It's like a huge hedge or box around us. As long as we stay within that, we can play Any way that we want, as long as we play by the rules, we are safe and we do not get hurt. And so if you're going to pick any group of rules or laws, which ones would you choose? It makes sense to me that we would choose the ones from the God who created us and gave us this life in the first place. And that's exactly what we have here. If you'll take a look at your notes, you may not know that the Ten Commandments actually follow an ancient kind of treaty. Now, there are many kinds of treaties and covenants in the ancient world, but one was known as the Hittite Suzerain Treaty. Did you know this? This is what the Ten Commandments follow. Now, the Hittites were an ancient people, and a suzerain is a sovereign. We have the word sovereign today. He is a king. 
And he has vast territories and many peoples that are under his authority, including other vassals or subject kings and all the people of the land. And so there would always be a prologue, a reason for following the king and agreeing to the treaty. Basically, it would be something like, this is what I've done for you in the past. If you follow me, then I will bless you and take care of you and protect you in the future. And that's what God is saying. When Moses is there on Mount Sinai and all the people are gathered there below, these are his words, I am the Lord your God. You remember me, I'm the one who brought you out of Egypt. I'm the one who defeated Pharaoh's army. Later on, he will say, I am the one who gave you manna in the wilderness. I am the one who brought you water when there was none. I am the one who defeated all of your enemies. I am the one who gave you the promised land. And he says, I will be your God and you will be my people. But here are the stipulations. If you follow them, you will be blessed. If you don't, you will be cursed. In fact, the king in every, every other kind of situation, would say, if you do not follow the covenant, I will abandon you. I will cut you off completely. That is the framework for the Ten Commandments. Now, the witnesses in pagan cultures could be the mountain, could be rocks, but for God, the true God, it is the people themselves. They will be the witness to the covenant. Now, we could go through all ten stipulations today. And you thought you were going to get out early today, didn't you? Yes. But we don't need to. We only need to go through the first one. No, I guess we could do two. What did Jesus distill all of the commandments to in the New Testament? You remember, love what? Love the Lord your... God, and love your neighbor. But if you don't first love God, you are unable to love your neighbor. If you don't keep this first stipulation to love God and obey God and trust in God above all things, then you won't keep any of the other nine as well. So we begin with this one is enough, but... The question, what is a God? How many of you worship the sun? Anybody worship the sun? Any sun worshipers? How about trees? Are you tree worshipers? Rain worshipers? Have you made wooden idols that you put up there on an altar in your house and bring fruit and vegetables to? Probably not. And yet there are things that grab our attention aren't there? There are things that we rely on, good things in and of themselves, but become too important to us. So I'll, I'll pick on uh, those who are married here. How many of you love your spouse? Raise your hand if you're smart. <clears throat> love your wife. Love your husband. Those of you who are parents, do you love your children? Raise your hand. Well... Most of the time. 
love our children. And that is wonderful. Relationships are good. Human relationships are awesome. They are meant to be good and, and loving and wholesome. And yet, I don't know how many times I have heard good Christian people, just like you, when someone is, is ill or even dying, and they confide in me, Pastor, I don't know if I can live without them. Have they become your God? The Bible says that our stomach is sometimes our God, our desires. Or maybe our money, our wealth. You say, no, Pastor, no, I've I've got that all in good order. But let me ask you this. If someone told you, or if the situation were tomorrow at about this time, at about 10.06 Monday morning, and your entire bank account was drained, and you had no assets, how would you feel then? Maybe it's our success, or maybe it's an item that we desire, four-bedroom house, the sports car, maybe our sports teams, not the Bears, but others, perhaps. Things we spend our time on. You see, the law is a mirror. It tells us that God is anything that takes first place in our life that we rely upon. And we have to be honest. We have to admit that there are other things at other times that draw our attention more than Yahweh, more than Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, more than the worship of our Creator God. And we have to admit that we are indeed guilty. The Ten Commandments are meant to be a curb to us, to prevent the chaos of a world that has no rules. But it's also to show us that our attention should be on God himself, and then as a guide to show us how we go about pleasing God himself. Now, the good news today is quite substantial. We go back to our treaty once again. Remember the prologue, I am the Lord your God. I am the one who has brought you out of Egypt. You can underline the word there, your. I am the Lord your God, not just any God. Not their God, but your personal God. Now, the way the Old Covenant worked was like this. The treaties of the day. If the people would not follow the stipulations, not only would they be cursed, not only would they extract the the vengeance and the wrath of their so-called God or king, but they would be cut off, they would be abandoned. They would be left to be defeated by their enemies unless there were a deliverer. And for the Israelites, there was Moses. Moses led them out of Egypt into the land of Sinai and then to the promised land. Now, if you look at the entire Old Testament, we'll do a little bit of this next week, we see that over and over and over there is a pattern, and you know what it is, because we do the same thing today. We have a God who gives us these stipulations, these commands that we are to follow, and what do we do? 
We ignore them. We follow other gods. We do other things. We break the law. And so did the people of the Old Testament. And God said, all right, you want to go follow other gods? I'll let you do that. And they would do that for a while. And then they would realize that they have lost all of their blessings. And they would begin to cry out once again, Lord, where are you? We really didn't mean it. (laughs) Could you come back? And he does. And he conquers their enemies. And everything is good again for a while, and they are blessed. But then, just like us, after a while, they forget, and they go follow their own gods again. And it happens all over again and again and again. Now, if our God were not a loving God, he would have cut those people off. And if our God were not a loving God, he would cut us off. And he would abandon us completely. And not only that, we would then deserve his vengeance, which is not punishment in this life, although it could be, but punishment forever, which we call hell. Complete estrangement from God and punishment for eternity. That is what we deserve for having other gods before him. But he sent a deliverer, hasn't he? We heard about it last week, the promise from the very beginning that there would be one who would crush Satan. There would be one who would become sin for us. There would be one who would die in our place. The very Son of God has become our deliverer. He was abandoned on the cross One of his last words, he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Why have you left me? And he took our punishment. And he took our death. So that you and I could have a relationship with the Father forever. He is our God. And now we have a new covenant or treaty through Jesus himself. One that is based in love and trust. A God who loves us and trusts us to do what is right. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those nature films and documentaries. When I was a biology teacher many years ago, I would often show this one in particular about a family of raccoons. Now, if you know anything about raccoons, they are very territorial, but they also take great care of their young. I don't know, maybe you have some in your backyard, but if not, you can imagine. So when the mom and the dad go out to hunt, there is some invisible signal. And the little ones, the little pups, they go up the nearest tree, and they'll go up as high as they can, 30 feet or more, and they just kind of hang out, maybe even take a nap, play with each other for about 30 minutes or so while mom and dad go out and they do their hunting. And then they come back, and there's another invisible signal of some kind, and the little ones come running back down the tree. Wouldn't it be great if all of our kids were that obedient? There they go. Wouldn't it be great if you and I 
were that obedient to the Heavenly Father. I am the Lord your God, he says. Not only will I send you a deliverer, not only will my son take your punishment upon himself, but I will also give you the power, our God says, to do what is right. And so I have given you these commands to keep you safe. But I've also given you the ability, out of love, to follow me. And even when you don't, remember that you have been delivered and you have been forgiven. Until that day, when our Father will return and take us to be home with him forever in heaven. Amen? Amen. Let's all rise. We'll make profession.